Back in September, we started a series entitled Straight Thinking in a Crooked World. And we worked our way verse by verse through chapters one through three. The entire series will carry us all the way through chapter 11. These 11 chapters are so important to our Christian faith. And you may say, well, why are we just now getting back to Genesis? Well, I, I tell you, I'll be honest with you. I couldn't see preaching about Cain murdering Abel at Christmas. It just didn't sort of fit Christmas, you know what I mean? So we're back today. So I want you to take your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter four, Genesis chapter four, and listen, Genesis chapter one and two describes what we might call paradise. It, it's God, listen, God created a perfect world. All of the brokenness that we see in the world today was not there when God created everything. He created a world that was designed to work in perfect harmony. He, does, he created Adam and Eve to live in paradise. But unfortunately, when we come to chapter 3, we might term chapter 3 and following paradise lost because Adam and Eve sinned against God and they introduced sin into the human race. And what we learned is that that life doesn't work when we choose to live our way as opposed to God's way. That certainly becomes apparent as we move into Genesis chapter 4. Now in Genesis chapter 3, we're introduced to the root of sin. In Genesis chapter 4, we're introduced to the fruit of sin, especially as we see it in the lives of Adam and Eve's first two children, Cain and Abel. Now, Abel was a godly young man, but Cain was an evil, ungodly young man. In fact, in Jude 11, the Bible says, woe to them, speaking of the, the apostates, the false prophets, the false teachers of that day, woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. And for pay, they have rushed headlong into the era, era of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Now, that's certainly not a flattering appraisal of, of Cain, uh, Adam and Eve's first son. I, I've entitled today's sermon, The Way of Cain, The Way of Cain. I, I don't want any of you to go the way of Cain. Because here's what I've discovered as I've studied this chapter this week. Life without God is a dead end. It's just a flat dead end and you don't want to go there. Now Cain is mentioned 13 times in these first 16 verses of Genesis chapter 4. Abel is mentioned seven times and three other times he's referred to as by the name brother. So let's dig into the story. Look in Genesis 4, 1 through 2. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve. That's Adam, had relations with his wife Eve. And she conceived and gave birth to Cain and said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. 
And Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Now, remember, in Genesis chapter 3, God forced Cain and Abel to move out of the Garden of Eden. Afterwards, Eve became pregnant. And what a time it must have been for the first mom and dad to have their first child, the first child born on this planet. Can you imagine what it was like when Adam came up to Eve and she's very much with child and maybe he feels Cain move in Eve's womb at that time. And I tell you, their eyes must have gotten big as saucers. Can you imagine what it was like when Eve gave birth to the first baby ever born on this planet? Why, when she held him in her arms, she must have been so proud and so encouraged. Now, it's interesting what Eve said here when she had Cain. She said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Now, what exactly does that mean? Well, the best translation of Eve's words would be this. I have brought forth a man, even the deliverer. Now, in their minds, their first son was to be the one who would crush Satan's head and restore paradise once more. Now, remember in Genesis 3.15, there is the first prophecy of the coming Messiah. God said to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now, Eve thought that when she gave birth to Cain, that the deliverer had come. But little did she know that this sweet little baby boy she held in her arms was not going to be a deliverer. He was going to be a murderer. In verse 2, we're told that Abel was a shepherd and that Cain was a farmer. The narrative presents these two boys as young men by this time. In verse 3 of chapter 4, the Bible says, So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Now, that little phrase, in the course of time, it, it seems to mean that God had appointed a particular time and a particular place where he would be worshipped there next to the Garden of Eden. I believe it was on the east end of the Garden of Eden. These two boys had undoubtedly been instructed by Adam as to exactly what it meant to worship the Creator God. I'm sure he instructed them as to the place of worship and as to the time of worship. Now, Cain was not an infidel. He was not an atheist by any stretch of the imagination. He knew that there was a God. He believed that there was a God, a creator God. But he was prepared to worship only according to his way, not God's way. I want you to mark three things here. His offering was a bloodless one. He brought of the fruit of the ground. His offering consisted of the fruit of his own labors. And he ignored God's judgment where God had told Adam that he would judge the ground 
curse the ground that, that, that Adam would have to uh, plant and, and develop food from. Now, what does this text teach us about the way of Cain? I think it teaches us four things. It demonstrates that the way of Cain is based on logic, not truth. Look at verses 4 and 5. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. The Holy Spirit's commentary on these two young men and their offerings is very interesting. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, the Bible says, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Now, I'm sure Cain's offering was a beautiful one. It included the choicest of fruits and vegetables, the most beautiful flowers, and the finest of herbs. His offering cost him significant time and toil. But God rejected his offering, and he accepted Abel's sacrificial offering. Now, many people who read this narrative see God's action as unfair and irrational. They say, why, Cain did the best he could do. He brought the very best that he had. Why shouldn't his beautiful, fragrant offering be judged more acceptable than Abel's bloody sacrifice? Understand this. When God killed animals in the Garden of Eden to clothe Adam and Eve, you'll find that in chapter 3, verse 21. He was showing that the wages of sin is death. For Adam and Eve to be forgiven, a substitute had to shed his blood and die for their sins. His pointed, this pointed forward to the shed blood of Jesus who would die on a cross one day for the sins of the world. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. In 1 John 1, 7, the Bible says, But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now listen, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. In Hebrews 9, 22, the Bible says, and according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So when Abel came with the offering of a bloody sacrifice, he was demonstrating his faith in God. He was demonstrating that he needed a substitute. He knew by what Adam and Eve had taught him that he must come to God on God's terms, not his terms. But Cain brought his offering, and he was demonstrating his own self-righteousness. He said, look what I've produced. I've brought you the very best I can, God. 
That didn't work for Cain. And let me tell you, it won't work for you either. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, the Bible says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Don't be duped by the devil. There are a lot of people being duped in our culture today. There are a lot of people who believe that they can come to God on their terms as opposed to God's terms. Let me tell you, the only way you'll ever be forgiven, the only way you'll ever be made right with God is through the blood of Jesus Christ, his son. Listen, life without God, it really is a dead end. The way of Cain involves logic, not truth. But secondly, it involves pride, not humility. As the story unfolds, the pride of Cain becomes very apparent. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says, And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? He, he developed a pouty face. I mean, God could see that he was very upset. Verse 7, God says to him, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desires for you, but you must master it. Cain was furious. He was furious that his logic and his labors were rejected by God. Here, the outset of life in a fallen world, God's grace is on full display. You say, well, where do we see God's grace? Well, God didn't abandon Cain when Cain had abandoned God. Notice, God reasons with Cain here. He says, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And God goes on and on and on, trying to help Cain to see the truth. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, that that is a characteristic of God. See, you may be here today, and you're mad at God. You're mad at God because he didn't answer a prayer that you prayed and, and a loved one died or, or he didn't answer a prayer you prayed and you didn't get the job you wanted or he didn't answer a prayer and you didn't get the spouse that you thought you deserved. And you're mad at God, just like Cain was mad at God. But can I tell you that God in his grace and infinite mercy does not abandon us when we get mad at him. The Bible says in Isaiah 118, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. I tell you, we see the grace of God in this warning that God gave to Cain. He warned him about the danger of sin that lurked in the dark shadows of his heart. Cain was flirting with disaster, and God was doing everything to help him realize the danger he was in and pull him back from the brink of disaster. The cause of his anger was sin, and sin was about to take him down. I'm telling you, some people in this room, and some of you watching live stream, you're flirting with disaster also. 
you brought into the idea that you can come to God on your terms. That you can do the very best you can. You can be religious. And you can do everything you can to make sure that your good works outweigh your bad works. And you're hoping and praying. And you really believe in your heart the lie that the enemy has told you that God will accept you if your good works outweigh your bad works. Or if your religion is exactly what God wants it to be. That's a lie. You need to know that's a lie. You need to know that that's not what God teaches in the Word. You see, your pride has inflated your ego to the point that you really believe that, that you're good enough for God. You're not. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. You're a sinner in need of a substitute. And sin is crouching at the door of your heart, waiting to devour your soul and send you to the bottomless pit of hell. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Come to Jesus today in saving faith. Oh, if only Cain, when God spoke these words to him, if only Cain had fallen on his face before God, if only Cain had said, God, I've sinned against you. God, forgive me. If only Cain had taken a little lamb and slit its throat and offered that lamb on the sacrificial altar to God, God would have forgiven him and God would have pulled him back from the brink of disaster. I'm telling you, he didn't do it. He didn't do it because that's the way of Cain. See, life without God, it's a dead end. The way of Cain involves logic, not truth. It involves pride, not humility. And third, it involves hatred, not love. The story takes a drastic turn in verse 8. Look at verse 8. Cain told Abel his brother. Now, I've always wondered, what did Cain tell Abel? I don't know, to be honest with you. But I believe that Cain had a, a plan etched out in his mind as to what he was going to do. And he was luring his brother Abel to the field because he knew that he wanted to kill him. And it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. How did he do it? We don't know. Did he take a stone and beat the stuffing out of his brother? Did he take Abel's knife that Abel had used to slit the throat of the sacrificial lamb that he offered to God in faith and take that knife and drive it into the heart of Abel, his brother? Did he beat him with his bare hands and kill him? We don't know. We do know that Cain's jealousy and anger morphed into hatred and vengeance. The Bible says that he rose up against Abel and killed him. It was murder in the first degree. You know what God had every right to do? God had every right to take Cain's life at that moment. But look at verse 9 and 10. Then the Lord said to Cain, God is still reasoning with Cain. God is still trying to bring Cain to a place of repentance and faith. 
Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? This is the first question by a human being in the Bible. Am I my brother's keeper? And God said to him, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now, I want, to, I want you to help, help you understand something here. God knew exactly what had happened. God didn't need for Cain to fill in the blanks. God is omniscient. He knows everything. But it was very important for Cain to deal with the questioning of God and the reasoning of God. Once again, I want you to see the Holy Spirit's commentary on this tragic event. We find it in the New Testament in 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. The Bible says, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Verse 12, Not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother, and for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Let me tell you, friend, you can't hide your sin from God. God knew exactly what Cain had done. In Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, the Bible says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. By, by, by the way, when you put a negative not in front of that word prosper in the Hebrew, it literally is a picture of a rotten piece of cloth. If we conceal our transgression or try to conceal our transgressions from God, the Bible says our life will become like a rotten piece of cloth. And that's exactly what happened to Cain. And that's exactly what will happen to you. But the Bible goes on to say in verse 13 of Proverbs 28, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. In Psalm chapter 90, verse 8, the Bible says, You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. There are some of you right here today, and you are flirting with disaster. You're operating out of pride, not humility, out of logic, not truth. And you're in a position where your very soul is in danger. And you really think that you've hidden your sins. Now, you may hide your sins from your spouse. You may hide your sins from your pastor. You may hide your sins from your best friend. But I'm telling you, dear friend, you'll never hide your sins from God. He'll drag them out into the open, and he will expose them, not only for God to see, but also for others to see eventually. Don't think for a minute that God is unaware of your self-righteous logic, your inflated pride, and your hatred for the truth of God and for certain people in your life. He knows. He knows. That's why I say to you, listen to me carefully. If you choose to abandon God, you're going to discover that life without God is a dead end. It's a dead end. What is this way of Cain? 
Well, the way of Cain involves logic, not truth. It involves pride, not humility. It involves hatred, not love. But fourthly, it involves retribution, not blessing. Listen, I want to say something to you. Whoever you are, ever how important you think you are, I'm telling you, you are accountable to the living God. He knows every word you say. He knows every thought you have. And he knows every action of your life. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. And the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Watch what happens next in the story. Look at Genesis chapter 4, 11 and 12. God says to Cain, Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you cultivate the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. You will be a vagrant and a wanderer on the earth. Earlier in Genesis, God didn't pronounce a curse upon Adam and Eve. Now, for the first time in the Bible, God's curse is directed to a human being. It won't be the last time. No matter where Cain would go, the ground would work against him, not for him. Now, listen, if you're a farmer, that's not good. That's not good. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is too great to bear. Behold, you have driven me this day from the face of the ground, and from your face I'll be hidden, and I'll be a vagrant and wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. You know, one of the clearest marks of sin in our lives is an almost innate desire to excuse ourselves and to complain if God disciplines us or judges us. What Cain really deserved was death, but God spared him. Let me ask you, are you mad at God? Have you rejected the gospel? Are you trying to earn God's favor by your own good works or by your own ability to be religious? I want you to know that God has given you a golden opportunity this morning, a golden opportunity to be saved and receive the gift of eternal life. In Romans chapter 2, verse 4, the Bible says, Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness? And tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. God was being so kind to Cain. He was giving Cain a second and a third chance to get right with God. If only Cain had fallen on his face before God and confessed to God his sin and taken one of the, the lambs that belonged to his slain brother and slit its throat and offered that lamb on the sacrificial altar to God. Oh, if only it asked God to forgive him and to save him. But he didn't. 
said, my punishment is too great to bear. Listen to me very carefully. If you're going the way of Cain, I want you to know that one day from the bowels of hell, you'll cry out, oh God, my punishment is too great to bear. I want to tell you, that's the language of the lost in hell. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible says, So the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. There again is the grace of God. God's being so merciful to Cain. And the Lord appointed a sign for Cain so that no one finding him would slay him. And people always ask, well, what is that sign? What is that mark that God put on Cain? And I'm telling you, it is amazing how these scholars come up with these weird ideas about what the sign or the mark on Cain was when they don't have a clue what the sign or the mark, or, or the mark was. We don't have to know stuff like that. But here's what we've got to know. God loves us. He loves us. Even when we rebel against him, he gives us chance after chance after chance to get right with him. But we can only get right with God his way, not our way. Verse 16, then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Isn't that sad? He went out from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod. The word Nod means wandering east of Eden for the rest of his life. Cain would have no peace, no peace with God, no peace with his fellow man. The Bible says in Isaiah 57, verse 20 and 21, but the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up refuse and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. You say, well, pastor, who are the wicked? The wicked are those who go the way of Cain. I'm telling you, that's the wrong way to live. It's characterized by logic, not truth, by pride, not humility, by hatred, not love, and by retribution, not blessing. I want you to just take your Bible just a minute and flip over to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 1. Listen to this. This is a, verse 5, this is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment. By the way, when God judges people, it's always righteous. God is fair. God is just. This is a plain indication of God's righteous judgment so that you will be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which indeed you are suffering. For after all, it is only just 
For God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed for our testimony to you was believed. Retribution for those who go the way of Cain, for those who reject the gospel, and relief and blessing for those who put their faith in Jesus and follow Christ in this life. It can't be any clearer, folks. Here's the truth. God loves you. And he sacrificed his son on the cross of Calvary as your substitute so that you could be forgiven, so that you could receive the gift of eternal life, so that you could experience the abundant life of Christ in this life and the next life. The blood of Jesus is God's only provision for the forgiveness of your sins. God raised him from the dead He's seated at the right hand of God today. And Jesus said this. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. You don't get there on your own works. You get there through Jesus or you don't get there at all. So I'm begging you today, reject the way of Cain. Reject it. Because I'm telling you, it only leads to a dead end. Would you bow your heads for me with, just, with me for just a moment? Some of you in this room, some of you watching live stream, you're traveling down the way of Cain. And the devil's convinced you that you're doing the right thing. But the devil's a liar. He's evil. And sin is crouching at the door waiting to devour you. I beg you today, repent of your sin. Place your faith in Jesus as your Savior and Lord and follow Christ for the rest of your life. I tell you, if you follow Christ, you'll end up in heaven. If you don't follow him, you'll end up in hell. Now, if you're a believer in this room, I want to encourage you. You take this truth and you share it with as many people as you possibly can. Let's make sure people know the truth. Now, if you'd like today to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord, come to one of our staff. I'm going to ask our staff to come, our worship team to come. Come to one of our staff members and just tell them today, I want to be saved. I don't want to end up like Cain. I want to be like Abel. And we'll share the gospel with you.
And you can walk out of here free in Christ, forgiven of all your sins. If you're a family looking for a church home, come to one of our staff members. We'd love to talk to you about becoming a member of Cardinal First Baptist. Also today, if you're a believer, God's spoken to your heart about one of these four things, I want to encourage you to come to this altar and ask God to help you to live in truth, to live with humility, to live with love, and to experience his blessing.